0: All right. Um, all right, here we go. Go to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28. Again, thank you for coming out. I um, uh, have failed to do this, but uh, uh, we do have visitors here. that didn't raise their hand, so I get blanked out and thinking about Mary Hart. She just kind of got my mind all messed up. And, uh, but uh, we have the halls here. The Hall family here is uh, here, and they, of course, uh, they were here for our Cur- our uh, brother Curtis was here for our missions conference, and uh, there there came traveling through, and um, I've just asked them if they would hang around through the evening service instead of traveling on, and uh, brother Curtis will be preaching for us tonight, and so it's just a blessing that they're here, and and a blessing that we have a place for them to pull into. So I'm thrilled that they're able to do that, and uh, and. So they're here, make them feel welcome, and they'll be here through the day with us. All right, Matthew chapter twenty-eight is uh where we've been so many times here uh for recent weeks, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse eighteen. It said, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever i have commanded you and lo i am with you always even to the end of the world amen now this is um this our our text that we've been using for for weeks now and uh and i i you know again i always say this i'm I'm really not a serious kind of person but i just i keep trying to kind of almost shift from this and kind of you know move to something else but uh, these are the commands of Christ and and uh, Lord just is just every time I, I think about doing something else it, it's that next command is something that God has just uh, given me something about that just just worked in our hearts about and so uh, that's what we're going to do today we're going to go into that next command I'm going to give you a real quick review Uh, Well, just for those of you who haven't been here, it says Jesus came and spake unto them, saying all power is given unto me. We've been emphasizing that because if all power is given unto him, uh, then when he says in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you all way. And so uh, if he's with us all the time, uh, all throughout our lives and all till, the, till he comes again, then he will be with us even then. Uh, he, If he's with us, then all power is with us. And so that's so, such an important thing. But he says... Uh, the first command that we studied was repent the first thing that jesus said when he came uh he said repent and repent of the disbelief and and believe Repent of the disbelief and believe. Then he said, follow me. And I'm going to go through these more quickly this time. Follow me. And of course, once you believe in him, uh, if you truly believe in who he is, then you would follow him. And then he says, rejoice. Because as you follow him, you're going to go through trials of life. And he says, what you need to do as a Christian is rejoice through those things. Why? Because that's going to allow the next command, let your light shine. And as you rejoice through the trials of life, you're letting your light shine and he said you're fulfilling that command then he said uh one that kind of shifted a little bit after those first four that's kind of your beginning of your walk with god he says uh he he just emphasizes to every christian he says honor god's law and so he makes it very clear from the very beginning he didn't do away with god's law he says to honor god's law and so he and then from there he says to be reconciled to those you have offended uh and and a, a very tough one but and we're going to kind of look at that uh, kind of connection to that uh today but right after that he said do not lust he starts looking at our inner being and our inner self our thought processes and he says do not lust and then he he says uh your character you're, you're keeping your word uh, to keep our word and then then he said, and "The ninth thing, the ninth command he got was go the second mile rather than retaliation and vengeance." He said, "Go when you know people ask of you, go the second mile with them, and and uh, he, and, and give your extra to people uh, rather than always retaliating against people." And then he said, "And, and uh, the eleventh or no, tenth command: love your enemies and pray for them." And again, what a a command. It's a command, but it's a life-changing principle. If we will really, truly love our enemies and pray for our enemies, then you really don't love your enemies until you're willing to pray for your enemies. And so uh, then he said in uh, the 11th command, be ye perfect. For he is perfect. He said, For I am perfect. And so, and that's that maturity uh, that God wants us to have in, Christian, in the Christian life and that, that completeness that he wants us to have. Then he said, Do what you do in sincerity uh, in the, for God rather than for man. And that's talking about, you know, when we talk about going to the closet and pray. And he said, do what you do in sincerity. Be real about what you're doing. You know, uh, so many people ask me, what makes a difference? In, you know, some uh, people, they, they, they go to church, they, they're kids, and, and, and they're all uh, in church and doing all this. And, then, and he said, and then others seemingly just identical are doing the same thing. And I always tell them, you know, the home turns out the family, turns out the children, not the church. And, and your appearance at church does not turn out your children. What you are in your home turns out your children. And so your sincerity, the reality of what you believe, not perfection. That's foolishness when your kids hear you preach and teach and act like you're something perfect in the public eye. And then at home, they know what you really are. We're not looking for perfection. None of us can be perfect. We're, we should be trying and striving to be all we can be. You know, I always tell my kids, look, look I, <clears throat> I know I'm not perfect, but I, I'm telling you this, I'm not satisfied with my imperfections. I'm not h- glad that I'm imperfect. I, I want to be better. I w- and, and when I'm wrong, I, I'll confess it. Uh, you know, and I think it's a crucial thing that you confess it not only to God, that when you're wrong in your home, that you ought to confess it to your family. You ought to let them know, I messed up. Let them know that I, I did something I shouldn't do or I reacted in a way I shouldn't react. I'm sorry for that. Uh, you know, I got the old classic thing. When I, when I spanked Brooke one time when, when she was trying to break up her two sisters from fighting and I came up and found all three of them tangled up and I spanked them all. And then, went, and then after I got through spanking them, went down the line and started asking what happened. And I went to Ashley and said, what happened? She said, Heather hit me. And I said, Heather, what happened? She said, Ashley hit me. I said, Brooke, what happened? She said, I came up here and tried to break him up. Just the great, great. You know, what did I have to do? I had to apologize to her. I had to, I got on my knees in tears and said, I'm sorry, baby. And I handed her the belt. I said, you whipped me. Thank God she didn't. But, the, uh, but the, now, the next thing, though, is lay up your treasures in heaven. Lay up your treasures in heaven. The Lord makes it clear that we need to get our focus to be more on what God knows of us rather than what people think of us. And so we're laying up our treasures in heaven uh, as we live our life for God here on this earth. Now, the last command we studied was to seek the kingdom of God seek the kingdom of God, and the coming commands will tell us how to continue to seek the kingdom of God. Uh, You know, it it deals with our life, but that's really the kingdom of God. uh, You know, it means different things, and we dealt with this last time we preached about this, but it means different things, different places, but many times it's simply talking about the kingdom of God Coming in the individual Christian. When we, the more we live Christ-like, the kingdom of God has come in us. The more we live like Jesus, the kingdom of God has come in us. And having the kingdom of God in our personal lives is determined greatly by our relationships with others. That that affects, because Jesus preached and taught and commanded so much about our relationships. And if our relationships are not right with others, we're, we're not right with God. And so the context to the following command reveals that there's a relationship to the family directly and indirectly, and that's where we're going to proceed in, because we go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, if you go to verse 1, look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. This is the next command that Jesus gives, and this is, and I think this is so important because in this day and age that we live in, uh, the, the word command is, is uh, almost, uh, almost as evil as the word Fundamental. Okay, uh, you know, for years now, any wacko group out there is called a fundamentalist. And so for us to be called a fundamental uh, Baptist church is, is really, I mean, it's almost tough to use the word anymore. You're almost scared to use any word anymore because it's, it's such a negative connotation. Well, today, uh, the word command has become a negative word. Uh, just you know that God doesn't give us commands. He's not like that. He, you know, he just loves us and so we can do what we want to and he didn't really give us commands. Well, well let's just see what he says. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1 it says, "Judge not that you be not judged." Does that sound like a command? That sounds like a direct command. If, if I have God Almighty, who, that, who that's who Jesus Christ is, God in the flesh, and he was to stand here right now, and he was to point his finger at us and say, Judge not that you be not judged. You, would you take that as a command? I think we would. And he says, For what? judgment you you judge you shall be judged and what measure you meet it shall be measured you again and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye or how wilt thou say to thy brother let me pull out the mote out of thine eye and behold a beam is in thine own eye thou hypocrite first cast out the beam out of thine own eye and then shalt Thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. And so Jesus says, and this is where we begin, and I'm going to stop now because I want to get through that little portion. We have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to Thee. And Lord, I ask You to guide my mind, guide my thoughts, direct me, Lord, as I yield myself to Thee. Lord, I need Your presence, I need Your power. Uh, I always do, but Lord, uh, these commands, uh, I can't make it clear. I can't uh, deliver it the way that you would do it, but Lord, your word delivers it. And so, Father, I pray that we would use your word and use it rightfully and dissect it properly, and, and Lord, that it would be used to, to teach us. And then, Lord, I ask you to wrap your arms around this place. Lord, I, I pray that you'd bless each and every one. There's many weary people and, and, and many that are working in junior church and and working in primary church and working uh, right now with the young people, Lord, I pray that you'd be with them. As I know, many people have spent a lot of hours this week working and 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 physically working. And Lord, I pray that you'd please bless them. And dear God, please, right now, uh, would you just pour out your Spirit, wrap your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection? We need you. We need your protection. I ask you in the name of Jesus that you turn back every evil please in jesus name amen he says judge not and i just this statement i use it in another sermon but a, but a life a home a church built on a judgmental attitude a critical spirit leads to condemnation it, it starts at leads to a condemning spirit which is revealed in the way it's revealed a condemning spirit is revealed by scorning and criticism and attack and negativity and the spirit seeking vengeance a life, a family, a home, a church built on seeking vengeance is is as as I teach in another sermon, is a house built upon the sand. That's where uh, chapter 7 is going to conclude When we judge or desire Or attempt to bring vengeance Listen, uh, this I don't cover In the other sermon This is so important When we when we judge others And we condemn others Or we seek to bring vengeance to others And that's really what that word judge Means when he says that we judge Not that we be not judged So often we look at that And think that just means We don't like the way somebody plays their music Or somebody wears their hair or somebody dresses, and we, we judge them. Uh, don't, no, we don't, we don't do that. We don't do that at Calvary. As I said, we, we look in their eyes, amen? Uh, we're not, that's not what we're about, but this is saying, this judge is saying, when I want, when I want uh, vengeance to be brought to that person, and, and sadly, we're the one that wants to bring the vengeance. We not only want vengeance to come, but we'd, we'd really enjoy being the one to bring it, and so But this judge, uh, when we attempt to, to bring vengeance, listen to this now, we become God in our own lives. We take the place of God. When we seek vengeance on somebody, when we seek to bring vengeance on somebody, we become God. We usurp the authority of Almighty God. We're just demonstrating pride to the to the most dangerous level that we can possibly demonstrate it. We, you know, it. It's the ultimate pride when we feel like we're God. And, and you say, well, how does uh, wanting somebody to be punished for what they've done or vengeance to come to them? Uh, well, uh, let me just, I want you to go to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 16. Uh, I think this is, uh, will help us to see where, where this whole thing of vengeance, where it goes. Second Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. If you want to take a look there. It says, "In the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days was as, a, as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom so this is taking place when Absalom is rebelling against David Ahithophel has been the counselor to David when Absalom rebels against David Ahithophel is going to take the side of Absalom and so but it says that this Ahithophel it says that his counsel was was as the oracles of God I mean this man was incredibly wise in his counsel now uh, if you look at verse 1 Uh, It says, moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, let me now choose out 12,000 men. See, here's the counsel he's given. And I will arise and pursue after David this night, and I will come upon him while he is weary and weak and uh, weak-handed, and will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only. So Ahithophel is not only given counsel of what to do, he's willing to go do it. He's willing to go and, and uh, fight against David. Not only fight against David, he says, I'll kill him. And I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if, uh, as if all return. So all the people shall be in peace. And the saying pleased Absalom well and all the elders of Israel. Then said Absalom, call now Hushai the Archite, also, and, and let us hear likewise what he saith. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel has spoken after this manner. Shall we do after this saying, after his saying? If not, speak thou. And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. Now, the uh uh hushai was of course he was still with david and he was there kind of like a spy he was there as a counselor to misdirect the council of ahithophel now the the council of ahithophel if it had been followed uh, probably would have been victorious he probably would have been able to succeed in exactly what he said he was going to do uh now but uh, you know, God protected it here and, and uh, Hushai says, no, let's don't follow that counsel. And there's a lot more in there, but now look at 2 Samuel, look at chapter 17. 2 Samuel chapter 17. You look at 17 verse 23, look at verse 23. It says, and when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his fathers. You know, Ahithophel goes and not in an emotional trauma, he goes and he puts his house in order and then he goes and hangs himself. Because his counsel is not followed. Now, what, what really is taking place here well, hinges on one key point of fact. And that's this. Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. Now, what happened to Bathsheba's life and family, I believe, was a great stumbling block to Ahithophel. You see, he served David but all this time between the time of, of David's sin and, and the, the murder. Now, I'll be honest with you. Uh, God, uh, Nathan says it's done you know, publicly. So apparently most all of this is going to end up being known. All the sin of David has ended up being known. But even if everybody doesn't know about everything that took place, I got a feeling if anybody does, Ahithophel does. Ahithophel does as the grandfather of Bathsheba. And so uh, there's an issue here, and it's an issue that is is sort of dormant, but it's an issue where uh, there is a, Probably an anger, a bitterness, a vengeance that's in the heart of Ahithophel because Bathsheba has a good life, she has a wonderful husband, this husband is a great general for David. this is a good man, everything that it describes about him uh, about uh, uh, the wife of I mean the husband of Bathsheba uh, seems to be a good man and, and so. Here he is, this family is now torn apart, is disrupted, even to the point that now, wait, the great-grandson of Ahithophel is going to die. Bathsheba's son is going to die. There's a lot of emotions, a lot of thought processes, a lot of things going on. Do you all believe that? There's a lot of things going on in the heart of this grandfather as he serves beside the man who did all of this. And watch this. Here's what he did, and I believe this is what we do. He looked at David, who is living as a king, who's now got Bathsheba as his wife, who continues to have children, and and he's looking at him and thinking, when's judgment coming? How come God hasn't brought judgment? How come David has not been penalized for this? Now, the truth is, watch this now, David is being, has been, and is being. God's taking care of business. He is. This whole rebellion is God's business. Now, but what happened to Bathsheba's life and family was, I believe, a great stumbling block to Ahithophel. But listen, folks, stumbling blocks are going to come to everybody. They're going to come in front of everybody. There, there's always somebody out there that's going, to, they're going to, try to try to trip you up. Now, and anyone who has lived on this earth knows that there will be many, many times that we'll be hurt in this lifetime. Y'all believe that? You're going to be hurt in this lifetime. The lesson we need to take from Ahithophel is to realize that nursing those hurts instead of giving them to God and forgiving others will destroy us. Okay. Now, here's what I want to make sure. I don't want to minimize the pain that Ahithophel must feel. I don't want to minimize the pain that you feel. I don't want to minimize the fact that we suffer and we hurt. You know, I've... I am one, and I'm going to give you an illustration, I think, before we're all done. But, but I understand the pain when there's a, an incredible injustice. I believe I understand that, that pain. Maybe not as much as some of you may, but, but I understand that pain to some extent. And I understand injustice, and I understand what it, what it does to you. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, I understand that it's a, almost, at times, a daily battle to fight it out, to get rid of it. You say, Brother Hooker, why we've covered some of this before and, and dealt with this. I'm doing it because this is where we are in the commandments. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that the pain is easy to deal with in this life. It's not easy. It can be a daily battle. It can be almost a moment my moment battle to say lord i refuse i'm not thinking these thoughts okay i'm starting to feel that anger i'm starting to feel that desire that there should be some judgment some punishment but lord i'm gonna i'm gonna (laughs) one more time i'm gonna step back and i'm gonna let you have it i'm turning it over to you now now Pain and hurt, not dealt with, will lead us to unforgiveness and bitterness. If it remains in us, it will grow into a cancer in our hearts. Bitterness and unforgiveness will hurt us. It will destroy us. The damage it will do within us is only going to grow over time. Now think about that, and that's what's happening to Hithophel. Over time, it is growing. If we don't rid ourselves of it, and we let that stay in our minds and keep germinating in our minds, it's going to grow. Now, over time, now, that desire for vengeance will will result in our hurt and anger and bitterness, which will destroy us. But watch this now. Here's what we don't see so often. If we're not careful, it will destroy the potential of others. Get this now. This is what's so vital. If we don't get this, yes, it'll destroy us. But listen, sadly, that's kind of... Our choice, and if we want to destroy our lives, okay, that's our choice. That's our will. But listen, do you understand that if you don't get this corrected, you will, that person you seek vengeance again is somebody God could lift up. God could, through his grace, could, could save their life, salvage their life, could use them in an incredible way. You all understand where I'm going here? Now, apparently Ahithophel's hurt and pain did not turn into unforgiveness and bitterness, uh, or did turn into unforgiveness and bitterness in the end. It smoldered into, within, in his heart and, and turned a, watch, watch this, that bitterness, that, that vengeance that he wanted, it turned a wise man into a fool. He said, but he gave this incredible counsel. Yeah, but he shouldn't have even been given Absalom counsel. It turned him into a fool. He's running with a fool. It turned a man who served God early in his life into a man who lived with an unholy vendetta to kill the one who had hurt him. And when that opportunity was taken from him, uh, he ends up, he's going to kill himself. Now, we as a people have to see the reality of the destruction that vengeance brings. And, and, and please listen to me and, and stay with me here. When, when we desire vengeance, we will receive vengeance. That's point number one. We've got to understand when we desire vengeance, we will receive vengeance. Judge not that you be not judged. For what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. What measure you meet, it shall be measured you again. And so many times we look at these kind of things and we think, okay, that's talking about, you know, if I judge, then God's going to judge me. Can I tell you that that God's dealing a lot more with the human aspect here? And what he's saying is if I'm going to judge Curtis for everything and I'm going to condemn him for everything and I'm going to hold him accountable for every mistake he makes guess what Colby's going to hold me accountable for every mistake I make God said judge not you be not judged because when you come, I used to tell us uh, to some preachers, I'd say, you know, you know what? You're attacking, you're criticizing, you're, you're, you're after this preacher over here, and you, because you don't think he's acted right, you don't think he's made right decisions, and you're publicly trying to destroy him. I said, do you understand? You're not destroying a man, you're destroying the position of a pastor. Right. And I said, you might not realize this, but that's what you are. So what you're doing in the eyes of your people, you're destroying your own position. When you destroy their respect for him, you're destroying your their respect for you. Hello? Now, now why... Why should we not judge? And if scripturally, if you if you want to write this down, and you can, but but it's very familiar. Romans twelve seventeen through twenty one says, "Recompense no man uh, to, to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men." God makes it very clear. This is we're not supposed to be seeking vengeance. We're supposed to be living peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself notice the terminology avenge vengeance avenge not yourself judge not avenge not yourselves but rather give <coughs> rather give place under wrath for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay saith the lord you see that's why when we seek vengeance we believe ourselves to be god we know more than god we want people to suffer. We want them to suffer this way. We want them to suffer at this time. We want them to, we want them to suffer completely. We want them to, to be paid back for everything that they've done. And God says, that's none of your business. That's mine. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. He said, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So easily we take the place of God in our lives. We retaliate with words, with attitudes, with silence. We retaliate with vendettas. We retaliate with our actions. God has a plan for everyone. Listen, please get this. God has a plan for everyone regardless of our failures. If you're still living and breathing, God wants to use you. Do you believe that? Somebody believe it. If you're still living and breathing, God wants to use you. God wants to do something in your life. God wants to, to, hey, you say, well, you don't, uh, yeah, but the person I'm upset, man, they are a filthy animal. They're just a mess, and, 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 and they just deserve it. Really? As we don't deserve it? How gracious has God been to us? Who really deserves it any more than anybody else? You see, God is the ultimate rebuilder of lives. And what we do, though, we become God, and we say they can't have their life rebuilt. Matter of fact, I want their life destroyed. But God rebuilds lives. Now, think of this question. Who in this life deserves your vengeance? Now, if a name just popped into your mind, we got a little problem. Because nobody in this life deserves my vengeance. Another question. Which of us has the right to bring vengeance to another? Now be honest. Have you told yourself you have the right? See, just what happens. Well, of course I got the right. You don't know what they did to me. I don't care. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? When it comes to vengeance and the right to vengeance, all I care about is what God said. He said, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Notice that, will you just trust God? I will repay. Hello, everybody hear me? You say they deserve vengeance. Well, if they really do, now watch this now. If they really do, then that's in God. God should know that is he smart enough to know that how y'all doing this morning y'all okay everybody smile at me just for a second because I'm fixing to shoot you again all right come on now Venge- look we think it's got to be he deserves vengeance well maybe maybe watch this now maybe God might be just as smart as we are hello and so if he's just smart as we are and then he knows they deserve vengeance watch this this is what he says. Do y'all believe God? Do you believe him when he says what he says? He says, I will repay. Hey, we like it when, when he says, you know, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We say, whoo, I like that. That's a promise from God. Well, I will repay. When it comes from an omnipotent God, I think that's a done deal. So, the truth is, we just got to think rationally. I mean, that's really all we have to do is, now wait a minute, time out. God's already made this abundantly clear. This is none of my business. It's all his business, and he's going to take care of it, so I don't just shut up and get out of the way. Which of us has the right to destroy someone else's future potential for God? I don't want you to raise your hand, but I'll raise mine. Any ever anybody ever messed up really bad? And truthfully, you just kind of thought God has every right to just shelve me. But he didn't. Do you understand? He gave me another chance. Let me ask you again, are you glad that he did? Well, that person that you want this vengeance upon, you want them to suffer, you want them to pay, do you think maybe they want that same second chance that you did? We destroy our lives, our families, our homes, our churches when we decide to repay with vengeance. This may be the most, one of the most common areas, if not the most common area of idolatry in Christians. Because this is the area when we get hurt it affects our thinking. When we get hurt deep enough, it affects our thought processes. And, and we would think so clearly about every other promise of God. But somehow, that wound affects our rational, reasonable thinking. And what happens is we simply justify our our actions and decisions because of our anger and perceived injustices. We justify. When God absolutely says, real clearly, it's my business. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The answer is so very clear in Scripture, but yet we reject the Word of God. And, you know, I've turned to Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. says, "Ye have heard that it had been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat. And take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. I plead: there's no greater vengeance that can be known. If you want vengeance and you want to, to savor sweet vengeance, here's how you do it. Let God take care of it. If vengeance is necessary, if somebody needs to be punished, if somebody needs to suffer, let me tell you, God can do it better than we can. Ahithophel, you're angry, you're bitter, and your thinking has been affected. And bitterness greatly affects the reasoning of a man. Of Hithophel, you're choosing to help God along. That's what happens. God just didn't move fast enough. Why ain't God moving? Why ain't God doing something? And listen, folks, every one of us in this world we live in, if you listen to the news for one day, you just think, God, why? You want to help God speed up and finalize the judgment that he's going to bring to David if you even agree with the judgment that he's bringing. But God has already begun David's chastisement, and he will continue. What you are trying to do is really to destroy. You're trying to destroy David's future potential that will come through the forgiveness and power of God. You see, Ahithophel didn't realize it, but he was fighting against God. You see, by by desiring to bring vengeance to David, and by desiring for David to die as he believed David should die for the murder uh, uh, of his son and uh, grandson-in-law, and and for the even the death of his own baby, and so he he feels like this has got to happen. This is the only right thing. This is the only just thing. But what he's really doing, because he's not God and can't see God's his future. He's really trying to destroy the potential David has that God has for him through his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. David is God's anointed, and, and, and until God removes him, uh, he's going to remain to be God's anointed, and he will remain God's anointed until his death. When we take God's authority and God's vengeance into our hands, we fight against the will of God and the grace of God. And this is what we don't understand so often. We might recognize that when we try to assert vengeance ourselves, when we try to bring vengeance ourselves, we might understand that, okay, all right, I, I shall let God do it, so I'm fighting against the will of God. But you understand, we're also trying to thwart the grace of God. If Ahithophel had succeeded in destroying David, there would never have been many of the Psalms written to help us, bless us, and encourage us. If he had killed David, there'd never been a Psalm 51. One of the most important penitent Psalms written, it gives us all hope. It gives us the pattern for cleansing from our sin. Now, I'll just finish with this. I'm preaching this, and, and as I preach this so often, people, uh, and I know, we, I've been in the, in the auditorium, and I think sometimes, and I've been in the condition where maybe I'm right in the middle of a hurt, maybe I'm right in the middle of a suffering, maybe I'm right in that that I think, you know what, uh, that's nice for you to say, but you don't know what I'm going through. We're coming up. This July on the on the first anniversary of my dad's home going. And I'll be honest with you, and many have experienced it, because we had a lot of daddies go home in the last year and a half or so. But I keep sitting places and seeing things and questionings coming that all I can think of is I I wish I could ask dad but part of what keeps coming into my mind is right now I'm in the middle of procedures because of my brother's life and my dad had every, had everything he worked for for his whole life taken away a man that worked construction and farmed and went night and day. And he never had retirement. He never had anything like that. But he did as every man did. He, God had blessed him, and he had, he had a nice piece of property, a nice home, and nice things, and, and he was going to be able to lead that for his family. And a lifetime of work was taken away through wickedness and deception and lies. And I'll be honest with you, I, I would dream at times that before he went to heaven, he would see justice. But it just simply was not God's plan. It didn't happen. Everything in me desired justice. And that's why I say day after day, I'd have to fight and say, Lord, I don't even know what justice is. So as much as this keeps coming in my mind and it comes into my heart, I'd have to push it out and ask God to cleanse it and say, God, this is yours. And whatever you do, you do and justice is yours. So it didn't happen. But I'll tell you what did happen. What would have never happened. If my dad had never lost everything, then when we moved back here, He would have still lived where he lived. He would have never come to live with me. I don't know that he would even have started coming to church here. I don't know that he would have joined. I don't know that I would have ever heard the words that I heard about a month before he went to heaven as he looked at me and he said, Son, I wish I'd learned more. He said, I've learned more in the last year about God than I've learned in my lifetime. That never would have happened. Oh, we came to church... There wasn't just a church. There was times that we, when the hurt and the anger would flare up in him, and I would say once more, Dad, we can't let this consume us. It's in God's hands. What's He's going to do? He's going to do. And when He does it, it'll be right. So I, I don't, can I tell you, I understand why that had to happen to him, that he worked his whole life and then promises made and things, and it's just stolen. No, it's, I, I, can't, I can't answer the whys of that, except I can answer how God used it and how maybe things never would have been. i tell you this. My dad met Jesus in a better spiritual situation than he would have. He met Jesus reading his Bible every day. He met Jesus with more peace in his heart. He met Jesus with the bitterness. Honestly, what I saw pretty much eradicated. He met Jesus with peace. And that's why I think that he got up that morning and got dressed, showered, shaved, and dressed really nice that day. Joe Beth said to him that morning, Boy, you look really sharp today. And my dad got to meet Jesus with forgiveness in his heart. Hithophel hung himself. He hung himself because vengeance had not come the way he desired it. His life was destroyed and he desired to s- destroy David's life but God used David folks never think that somebody could never be used again never think that I don't know how this applies to your life your heart but again I always say this mostly home folks but if you if you don't know this Christ who keeps his word and he promised that vengeance was his, he will repay. He also said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So whatever promise you need this morning, it's available. Father, I ask you to bless this morning, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your love and your goodness